Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick, and this is episode 199, which means we are on the cusp of a big one next week. And although I do really love today's guest, this was a fascinating talk on money. There, you'll tell, like, be able to tell there's a couple of moments in there where I keep going back because my mind was blown where I didn't really understand how certain things were possible with our government and all of that. But like, oh my gosh, it's a good one. Believe me, you're going to want to listen all the way to the end. But I saved one I knew you would, that would pull on your heartstrings and you would really love for episode 200. So I've been, I've been sitting on it. I've had it for like the last two and a half months. And I'm like, I'm going to wait until episode 200 for this one. So you're going to like it next week, but this one's really good too. So reflecting back 198 episodes, um, not going to lie, it is a lot of work. (laughs) I love you. I love you and I love that you love me, but holy moly, I remember when we, gosh, we had started recording and it was probably only like episode eight or nine or something like that. And I was thinking about what I needed to do for the week. And I was like, oh, yeah, and I need to record an episode because I don't think we have one for this week. And I was like, oh, shit, this just goes on forever. Every week there's an episode forever. It's not like you get to episode 250 and then you're like, there you go. Check podcasting done. You just keep going. I mean, you could quit, but like. I was talking with my therapist. All right. So therapy time. I feel like you guys get so much free therapy through me. I mean, as long as you're as messed up as me and the information relates. But so we're talking about how sometimes I have a lot of anxiety around clinic numbers. And, you know, like if clinic, if if I'm not like confident that we're growing, if there's any sign that it's like, oh, this is like a low month or things like that, I go into this like catastrophic thinking. And she's like, well, what would the worst case scenario? So like kind of, you know, that therapy line of walking things all the way through. And she's like, well, what would the worst case scenario be? And I'd be like, "Um, well, 
Worst case scenario, I don't think my one associate would quit. I, we would close two of the three clinics and her and I, and we'd pick our favorite two CAs and we would just work out of one clinic. And yeah, and we'd honestly probably, I'd be more profitable. She'd probably make more money because our overhead would be substantially less. We'd be seeing less people a week though. She's And she's like, okay, but you said you'd be more profitable. And I'm like, yeah, but like that doesn't give me comfort because it's just a failure. And she's like trying to grasp and I'm like, because I would have had to have like closed two clinics and like fire four or five people. Like that's not an option. This did not make me feel better. You're bad at your job, lady. Um, she's still figuring me out and she still refuses. No, she doesn't refuse. She's very open to the Enneagram, but she just still hasn't like, oh, done it. And I can't figure her out. I'm all over the place, but... Yeah. Anyways, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So it's been 198 episodes of funness. I'm thinking that for episode 201, we will do a throwback episode into why did I go? Oh, because I can't quit the my brain was like, why did you go on that tangent? Because you can't I can't quit a podcast. That's that just to connect the dots for you in case you were wondering what ADHD rant I had gone on. Anyways. Okay. So episode 201, looking at doing a throwback because you guys, most of you do not have access to the first 50 episodes. Those are, you have to be at least a $3.99 member of the Patreon and supporting the podcast to have access to those. So I thought it would be fun to bring one of those out of the archives do a new intro so you get updated on my therapy and my life, of course. But, you know, sometimes I feel like when you've done a podcast on an episode, you feel like, oh, I've already done that. So then you don't feel like you can do it again. Even though if you go watch or listen to like Jenna Kutcher, Amy Porterfield's podcast, it's just like four topics, 17 million ways, which I, that's not a diss. That is a compliment. I don't know how they do it. Cause I feel I'm like, I already said it. You've already heard everything I have to say. I don't know what more to tell you. So if you have access, Patreon members, I'm doing a like call to my Patreon members. If you have access, well, you do. If you're a Patreon member, you have access to the first 50. Go through. You don't even have to listen to them because I know you already have. And send me a message, probably on Instagram is the best, with which episode you think I should use to pull out of the vault and share with everybody else. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to do the first one. I don't, although I don't know why, because it's not like I've gotten that much better at my rambling. I mean, this intro case in point is ridiculous, but I I don't know. I'm just too embarrassed. I don't want the first one. So not the first one. I believe the second sentence out of my mouth is, is this going to suck? This might suck. And I said, like, if nobody's listening by episode 15, I'm going to quit. So, but anyways, so today, um, oh, I have a really funny listener highlight. So it's kind of more of like a, yeah, it's a highlight. Okay. So this is from Carly Swift on Instagram. And so she sends me a DM going, so my three-year-old insisted we listen to the most recent podcast for bed. I'm now shoved into a toddler crib bed trying to ninja escape without waking him. And I said, aw, I love this. 
And then I went, wait, your three-year-old insisted you listen to the podcast? She said, we started listening to it as we were driving home from school. And then he saw it while we were scrolling for a bedtime meditation and said, no, mommy, this meditation first, then the dinosaur meditation. I guess your voice is meditative. And I said, that is the cutest little fan I've ever had. And then I went, oh, shit, sorry about the swearing. <laughs> she said, girl, fuck was his first word. So uh, shout out to not Carly Swift as my listener highlight, but Carly Swift's three-year-old who loves the podcast. Sorry, dude. I'll try and keep it a little more clean, I guess. Okay, this next week I am going to, I know I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, but people, I was in Mexico, okay? I had all these aspirations that I was going to like work while I was there. It it didn't happen. We also had like 20 to 25 mile an hour winds for four of the seven days, but that it's okay. I still got quite a tan. I had to make sure we did our team photos before we left because I legit came back looking not like a Caucasian person. Like, I don't, I don't know which, which ethnicity I am, but it sure as shit does not look like I'm 43% British and then like 15% Irish. No, Mm -mm. no, something much more Mediterranean, Hispanic, South American is what is happening over here right now. So I still got a tan. Don't worry. (gasps) Okay. Before, okay. We're getting there. I promise. I'm about to tell you the bio, but one of my recurring dreams, and I would love to know what recurring dreams you guys have, um, is that I have been on an all-inclusive vacation and it's the last day and I didn't have time to get a, a tan. And that like, we were just too busy and like, I am going home with no tan lines. That is a recurring dream that I have. So just to give you a little bit of into my psychology of how important sunbathing is. All right. Today, we have Stephanie Walter on. She's not a chiropractor, but that's okay. We love our non-chiropractors. Uh, but she is the CEO of Irby Wealth, a capital raiser syndicator and author of her new book, Shattering Money Myths, How the Wealthy Invest. And she, uh, there's a link below that you get that for free. So like it's a free ebook. Holy cow. Uh, she recently retired and sold her insurance agency of 16 years by following the key principles she teaches professionals to use. She teaches professional people to unlearn what most of us have been wired to think about money and re-educating people on attaining lasting wealth. And she lives with her husband and young son in Colorado. It's a good one. Um, if today's episode, if you're like bored by today's episode, then I'm sorry. We'll return to normal chiropractic stuff. Um, but if you are leaning in and you like this is where you're at in life is like learning about this type of thing. I don't want, I don't mean to plug the multi-passionate chiropractor because you can't buy it and you can't buy it for like the next six to nine months. I don't, but really think about joining the multi-passionate chiropractor when we launch it early 2024 because I have 25 students that are going through it right now. And this is the kind of stuff we are talking about. So like I said, if the, today's episode lights your pants on fire, then like just put a little mental little thing in the back of your head 
uh, that when I start talking about like spots being open, you should be one of the first people. So, so we can hang. Oh, and then before we pray, I was going to say, and then I got distracted again. I'm going to the Remarkable Practice Conversion and Retention event in Orlando. And this next week, I am finally doing the giveaway. I have some emails. I've uh, collected some emails from people who are very interested, but we're doing the giveaway. It is like a $1,500 giveaway. So if you, if I don't have your email, please send me a DM pronto because this week, you know, if you're listening in the future, sorry, you should listen more promptly. Um, we are going to be giving that away and I would love to see you there. So let's pray because obviously some of us have had too much coffee and we need to breathe, relax our jaw. Just be present in your body. God, thank you so much for the freedom to talk about expanding our lives. Thank you for tools of communication that we have with one another, ways in which we can impact somebody across the world and the outcome of their life with a simple conversation, help keep our hearts pure and focused on the big picture, the deeper mission, um, especially as we have some of these conversations around money. You know, Stephanie today talks about how all the myths, but one of the myths that we don't, we didn't bring up is the myth that you're a bad person if you have money and just help help deepen our purpose. You can do a lot with money, but also can easily become obsessed with it. So it is this difficult relationship. And so just draw awareness to everyone listening. Allow them to shed any shame or guilt. There's no, there's no place for that. Like purpose, love, Impact doesn't grow when you are held down with those negative vibrational feelings of, of shame and guilt. Growing through something involves awareness and education, leaning into prayer, meditation, journaling, and just continuing to do the work. The work is never done. Just when we think we got through. We're good. We're enlightened now. Life just has its way of sending more. So thank you for those lessons. Thank you for these conversations. Thank you for these listeners. Thank you for this opportunity to convene with them in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, crew, here is episode 199. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my conversation with Stephanie Walter. Do you know what, have you heard of the Enneagram and do you know what your Enneagram number is? I don't. Okay. I, heard of, I think I've heard of it. And when I was in the corporate space, I think I had to take tests, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big like personality thing. And 
I tend to have like a small obsession with it. And so half the time I end up interrupting a guest while they're talking, being like, are you an Enneagram eight or something like that? Yeah. Don't worry. You don't even have to take a test. By the end of our conversation, I'll probably figured it out. So don't worry. I just always like to start because it saves me a lot of um, having to think if people strongly know. Yeah. So Stephanie, what what is your job? What, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I am a wealth strategist. So I um I talk to people generally about what they're doing. Uh, I'm not a financial planner. Um How is it different? It's different in the sense that a financial planner is uh putting you into stocks and bonds and mutual funds okay. and they're a cut of your your you know, they they're moving you into a certain area of uh they put your money into all these different spots in the stock market and then they just wait and, okay. you know, 20 years. And then, and every year they get like a cut of your, of what you, you are getting. So say you have a hundred thousand dollars, they get maybe one or 2% of that just for managing your money. Um, I more look at people's like coming up with strategy, working on their mindset and finding, you know, things that will work for them that might not, you know, I might not necessarily get paid for that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I am just kind of trying to make them understand that there's a different way of doing things. And why would uh, that sounds a lot better i don't want to be rude to all the all the financial planners listening um but that sounds better like who who would choose a financial planner versus a wealth manager they don't know anything people don't know so that's really my mission my mission is i have implemented everything that i'm telling people to do if they talk to me and i am re i am retired to uh for all intents and purposes, I sold my business in 2021. And I do this because I have a real passion for letting people know that there's a different way of doing things. Now, I get to do this every day. And I love, you know, I get to do what I love every day. And everybody should have the, the chance to do that, you know. And it's, it's really just kind of like a mindset change. Uh, just that's what almost everything comes down to. But truly, we're told, you know, that we need to put all of our money into the 401k and wait 20 years and then, and then get it out. And that's supposed to be enough for us to retire on. But there, there's much better ways of, of doing this. And I mean, has that... So I'm 36. Yes, I'm 36. And both my husband and I, our parents really seem, you know, they were lower middle class. Um, and you just, you did the 401k thing. And it really feels like that was what you did. Yeah. And now it feels like, and maybe like the upper class wasn't doing that. Obviously, they probably weren't. Um, but now it feels more like middle class is starting to have some of these realizations of like, is that the smartest thing to do? And like, it feels like there's a generational big shift between like what you do with your money and what is retirement. Like, how long have you been practicing? How long were you practicing? Um, 
Well, I, I've been in, in, I was an insurance agent for 16 years and, uh, and then I've been, you know, doing this since 2016. Okay. So, uh, I have, uh, but the crazy thing is, um, one of the strategies I, I talk to people about, which is investing in real estate syndications, wasn't even available. Was it, even available till 2006 or 2012 um, because of the uh, the Jobs Act that Obama came out with. Um, one of the side effects of it allowed um, people to uh, publicly talk about their investments. But prior to that, these investments were kept behind closed doors in you could only talk to people you know or had a relationship with. So this was very much country club uh, wait, you know, wait, 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 what yeah. you're going to have, you, you, oh, you're going to have to say that again. So in 2000, prior to 2012, it was, there Ill was, no, there's, there, there would have been no access for most, the majority of the people to even know about this because we could not go on the internet and I couldn't write something. I couldn't talk to you about it unless I knew you, unless I knew you and had a prior relationship with you. And those laws changed in 2012. So it opened 2012 up. is not that long ago. It's not. And even the other one that I'm very strongly, you know, proposing for people is the premium financed insurance. That's something that was until just a few years ago was relegated to people with a net worth of $50 million. Oh, um, how come I didn't hear about it? <laughs> and it is an incredibly uh, amazing strategy for building wealth. And even if you write in like premium financing insurance on the internet and Google it, even to this day, you maybe four or five things come up about it that it's not well known. Um, but these are very solid, um, low risk investments. And that is, uh, that is what the wealthy people like to invest in, uh, is low risk. They, they, people think, oh, well, you know, the, you got wealthy because you were high risk, you were in crypto or whatever. Right. There's nothing even further from the truth that I've seen from my clients. They're very, you know, concentrated on lowering the risk as low as they can. Okay. Well, I wrote both of those down. We are going to talk about those, but I, I'm still kind of like in shock about this weird law. Yeah. Why, why was it, I mean, it kind of feels like one of those, the people that were writing the laws were the wealthy and they didn't like, is that? Yeah, I think it is. I think it was a really outdated um, law. And as it has changed in 2012, this type of investing has really flourished because, you know, the more people know about it, the more they can look on the internet, they can find stuff out about it. But I mean, I think it was just an outdated law and it had been outdated. And that was just kind of a side effect. I don't even think that Obama had it in his mind that it would open things up as much as it did. It was just sort of a side effect of the law that allowed people like myself to go out and talk to you and your audience about opportunities to make money. So yeah, it's 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 a whole different, you know, really is a different world out there. And certainly that you have to understand that there's been changes and how to take advantage of them now, because I think now in our 
time is probably the best time ever, you know, to be able to participate in some of these opportunities that really, you know, change your, your finances for sure. So, okay. Real estate syndication. Yes. What is that? It's a real estate a syndication really can be used. It's a general world word. It can be used for a group of people buying anything, buying a yacht, buying a, a condo up in the mountains by, but for us, it means we're buying commercial real estate. That's very undervalued in um, markets that we're familiar with. And so what that means for the average investor is they get to team up with a group of professionals that do this every day, um, rather than go out and buy your little um, one, you know, your rental property, your one rental property, you're buying like a 500 unit apartment building with a group of investors that buy it. We manage the property, we find it, we, you know, do all of the things that are related to it, then we you know, present it to our investors and say, you know, our goal is always that we want to double our clients' money in the three to five years we own the property. So we we find fixer-uppers and we go in and we, you know, we have a team of um, contractors, we have a team of property managers, we, we run these the same way every time. Uh, and so you get to partner with people that know what they're doing as well as you get to leverage in to uh, like our last deal was a hundred million dollars. That was our biggest deal. So they're not all that big, uh, but a hundred million dollars for a hundred thousand dollars, you get to get into this deal. So, so does each, oh my gosh, I have 17 questions going on. Okay. So you, if I was wanting to get into this, I would need to find like a wealth management group that offered syn real estate syndication. Is that, are those the words that I'm supposed to be saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I do syndications myself. So okay. you contact me if I don't have a deal at the time, I'm very well connected and, um, you know, can do the due diligence or tell you what due diligence you need to do when you're looking for a team to invest with. And you had said that you look to double the money within three to five years, which um, when you compare to stocks and bonds is quite different. Um, but is that a normal goal? That's our, that's our team's normal goal. I'd say you could find deals in the, you know, in the space that are anywhere between 10 to 10% a year up to 20 to 30% a year. I mean, um, and amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. And the beauty of these deals is you get another thing that I'm very passionate about, which is tax treatment diversification. So most people just do the tax deferred without thinking, well, I, you know, could invest in these tax advantaged. Um, so you get all the benefits of investing in real estate because you are you are a partner invested in real estate instead of like a REIT, which is uh a, a stock so you, you don't get the write-offs so every year you get fairly large depreciation write-offs every year okay so can you can you explain that like I don't know what you so okay so you said instead of doing tax okay well, you said you can uh, okay. do 
So when we purchase a, a property, we do what's called a cost segregation study. And that um, in simple terms, it's an engineer that's going through and, and categorizing all property. It's a very boring job, but they're they're there and we speed up the depreciation. Most depreciation when people own a single family home that's a rental is depreciated over 28 years. We can we can speed up the depreciation with this process to one, three, five years because we don't hold the properties that long. So for you, if you invested a hundred thousand dollars in our in in a property, the next year you should expect to get between sixty and eighty percent of that investment back as a tax write off. So you get sixty to eighty thousand dollar tax write-off to you the next year so it's a it's fairly again do your your stocks don't do that for you I right. mean it's an amazing benefit mm -hmm. um okay so I, I another capital gains that's a word right that so isn't this like because I've heard like this with like flipping right where if you like get all this money from an investment then you either is that kind of what you were saying that tax solution helps solve or no, this tax solution is just a benefit for you investing in the, so you can take that, say, I have people that have invested in our last deal that are getting, you know, 60, $80,000 back from the government because they, you know, don't have to, because they get those write-offs for them. So that just frees up more money on their end so that they can do other investments, either they can do more more real estate investing or they can do um, other alternative investments that I talk about um, to increase the the cash flow increase the velocity of their money okay so much quicker that way so is there like a minimum to play the game there's, uh, I mean, with with our deals, it's a fifty thousand for uh, the minimum. I, I mean, usually it's a hundred, but you know, we, we're always open to taking the fifty thousand because we have such a strong group of investors that invest with us over and over again that usually it's the first time people that are like, I don't really feel comfortable with the hundred, and I'm like, fine. Give us 50 and I guarantee I'll turn it into a hundred and then give yeah, me your hundred invest again and again with us. It's really just kind of like, again, a mindset change that people, it sounds too good to be true to them. And then when they're in it and they experience it, like the tax time coming up is like my favorite time of the year, because that's when people get their K-1s, which mm -hmm. is what we send to all of our investors. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get money back from the government. You know, it's just like, it's real to them. You know, I, I said, so, mm -hmm, like I knew what a K-1 was, but I don't know what a K-1 is. What is a K-1? Uh, K-1 is just um, where, okay, so our investors get monthly cash distributions every month. And um, and so then the the tax benefits that they get, the depreciation is figured into that. So say they, they receive $12,000 a year in um, tax or in um, income, I'm sorry, uh, but they get like a, a huge tax write-off. 
So that K1 comes to them showing a loss, it, but it's a paper loss. It's not um, an income. So you've received that income, but you get that paper loss on top of it. So that's really the icing on the cake. Okay. And I mean, I'm assuming that there are, there are groups where $5,000 is the you know, just kind of like Vegas where there's like a table, there's a table for, there's the quarter slots. There's, I would assume, right? Like there's, there's other ones. I think, yeah. Like I think 25,000 is the lowest. Okay. Yep. So what are, what's the con? So like if somebody has 25,000, not like like the pros and cons, um, like not like, um, so if, if somebody has $25,000, like what is the, there's the con, be, yeah. again, we're going back to mindset and we need to take responsibility for our money because up to this point, the 401k mindset tells you, I'll give all the money to the financial institutions. We'll manage it for you. If if you ask someone, they would have no idea what they're invested in in any way. So taking it would it, it does entail taking some responsibility, which is um, what due diligence do I need to do to determine whether this is a good uh, group of syndicators to work with, and you need to know their track record. You need to know their business plan. You need to know all the team members that are part of of this. A group and you know just questions like how how often do they pay distributions some companies uh pay them every month some of them pay them quarterly uh we pay them monthly and then again the depreciation finding out how much depreciation but the biggest thing is really determining the track record and do they have experience doing this in this market, working with this type of asset? So there is stuff, there are questions that you need to ask. But once you find your group of people, whether that's us or someone else, usually, you know, we provide one to two investments a year, and that's plenty for most of our investors. So you don't really have to, maybe you'll, you would have two groups that you go between, but you're certainly not going between like, 10 different groups. Right, right. Hey, She Slayers. When I first started practice, I thought I needed to dress a certain way for patients to trust me. And I spent hours trying to design communication and marketing materials that worked. After 12 years of practice, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't have to wear dress pants and button ups for a patient to take me seriously. And two, why recreate the wheel when a design professional has already done all the work for me? Well-Aligned offers solutions in both of these categories. They have the coolest and most comfy chiropractic shirts that will showcase your personality, as well as beautifully designed communication and marketing tools to help drive new patients, get more referrals, and gain better retention in your practice. From the best chiropractic apparel to modern patient education materials, Well-Aligned has you covered. All She Slayers get 10% off plus free shipping on orders of $75 or more with promo code SHESLAYS. Visit www.wellaligned.com to save. Hey, SheSlayers. I just wanted to take a moment to ask you, have you heard of PX? I don't know. Have I mentioned them before? So they're practically everywhere these days. And 
I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on our show because they are on a mission that I can seriously get behind. So Dr. Tony and his team have designed a pediatric, prenatal, and family chiropractic training program that has online and live event training opportunities to learn step-by-step the science, clinical protocols, and business systems behind building a thriving pediatric and family chiropractic practice. Now, here's what's extra cool. It doesn't matter if you're a student, startup, or practicing chiropractor. I mean, I am a member and I've been in practice for over 12 years now. Each and every bit of their training is applicable to you and where you're at. I've been a part of PX for a while now, and I can say that there's no one better in the space to lead you and to lead this profession than Dr. Tony and his team. If you want to take your practice to the next level in serving more kiddos and families in your community, then you must check out PX. I will drop a link in the show notes so you can head over to thepediatricexperience.com and let them know She Slays the Podcast sent you there for a special little bonus. Hey, She Slayers. So many of you connect with my story as a chiropractor because I started all wrong. Years into practice, I had to completely turn it around from being an insurance and pain-based model to a thriving subluxation-based cash practice. I have a lot of ways that that happened, but I am not exaggerating when I say the number one thing I changed was adding CLA's Insight scanning technology. The Insight helped grow our practice from 300 people a week to over 500 a week in the course of one year, purely by showing objective findings and providing reports to patients. So many docs I talk to struggle to communicate the why behind a care plan when the patient's pain goes away in a few visits. They struggle to keep patients after insurance stops paying. They don't know how to explain why a kid benefits from chiropractic care, even though they have no symptoms. They don't do progress exams because what am I going to do to show the patient progress? I am telling you every single thing I just said, my answer to the doc is, are you using insight scanning technology in your clinic yet? Because it's the solution to all of those issues. If you have questions, the staff at CLA is absolutely incredible and will help answer those questions and help implement this big change into your practice Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. Um, So do you recommend anybody has a 401k? Like, do you still say like, yes, you do the 401k to a certain point and then you stop pouring in and, you know, like, and how do you recommend that? Well, the 401k is, I get a lot of, blowback on this. I say, I I personally say, no, I, I don't, I, I think you, if you have one, um, my husband has a really small one. Um, that's fine. Uh, what I do recommend is that there's a huge, like we're like, say for our syndication, we tell you, we're going to be giving you 20% a year. That is that number 20% is the net so that figures in all of our fees, all of everything. Now, if 
you know, the stock market tells you we're going to be giving you 8% on your money. No, that that is a gross number that doesn't affect your fees. That doesn't, it might be end up being five or 6% that you get. So it's, it's quite a deceptive program. But yes, no, I, I believe that the 401k, I mean, I believe in Roth, the Roth 401k, um, something that is tax, um, that is taxed up front, because that's another huge thing that people aren't thinking about is what will the tax rates be in when they're ready to retire. I've heard that even if they're even a percentage higher than than they are right now, you should not be putting your money into a 401k because of that huge tax liability you're going to face when you retire. And how do you even make that decision? Like if you're, if your family's bringing in, let's say $150,000 and you're like self-employed, like where's that next tax bracket? And then like, can, is that something that can change? Like how do you, somebody determine like, well, am I going to be, cause I would assume everybody is optimistic and goes like, well, of course I'm going to be richer, but like. Oh, I don't know if I'll, I'll answer your question if it's okay. not go back to it again. But the 401k, the first thing I recommend is if you want to have it and just maybe stop contributing to it and do something like this, mm -hmm. um, is to get your the current investments you have in your 401k into index funds. Um, because index funds outperform uh, and the any mutual fund, they outperform them like 93% of the time. So an index is just a list of the top companies and the, those always perform better, consistently perform better. And they're, they're instead of having um, costs associated with them, the fees are usually over, I think it's 3.25% are the fees for those. Um, for an index fund, it's usually less than 1%. So just, I have a chapter in my book that really goes side by side by people who switch their 401ks to index funds and reduce their fees even by 1%, what a huge, huge impact that has. So the first thing I'd say is reduce the fees. The second thing I'd say is look to invest, to truly diversify, not diversify in the stock market, diversify with real estate, diversify with some alternative investments that um, accelerate your wealth rather than putting your money in. Okay. So the other thing that you brought up was premium financed insurance. Yes. What's this, that? <laughs> this is a really, really new con. It's not a new concept. It's been around for probably hundreds of years, but mostly used, like I told you before, of people that have, have a net worth of $50 million, big banks, huge corporations, you know, and what this is, is, is leveraging your fight or your leveraging life insurance is what it is. And I think I have somewhere in a chapter of my book that a billionaire, a multi-billionaire bought has the Guinness world record for buying the largest insurance policy, life insurance policy for like 201 million. Well, he doesn't need why would he do that? He doesn't need it. 
but he needs a place to put his money that is going to be safe from the IRS, that is going to grow tax-free and be distributed tax-free. And when he dies, the money is going to go to his, um, you know, beneficiaries tax-free. But these, these policies are very cool. They're, you have to work with someone that knows what they're doing. And essentially, you leverage the life insurance. So think of it very much like a real estate transaction. So instead of putting a, instead of buying a house for $100,000, you buy a house for a million dollars, but you only put 10% down. And every year that house goes up in value. And instead of say in the example where you have a $100,000 house and you put $100,000 into it, and it goes up 5%, well, you've made, you know, $5,000. So now let's go back to the policy where you put $100,000 into it, but it's a million dollar policy. And it's it goes up 5% a year. It goes 5% a year up on the million dollars. So then you get $50,000. So that that's how it works, essentially. So is, does do they grow 5% or where was the 5% coming no, from? No, the 5% that was just kind of, uh, the, these policies are very interesting. Again, they're, they never go down in value because they're linked to the stock market. And before people freak out, they are, they only get the upside of the stock market, none of the downside. So let's say the stock market goes up 7% then uh, for one year then the policy is going to go up 7%. Let's say it's an overall bust like last year was, then um, the policy will get 0% um, increase. Okay. So it Again, never- seems, yeah. it seems too good to be true. <laughs> it does. It does seem too good to be true. Uh, and, but it's, it's, I don't know what to say other than that some of these things, I think some of it has to do with the internet. Some of it has to do with like companies being waking up and saying, gosh, you know, I should, you know, put, put out these, these options to people that have less money. But unfortunately with premium finance insurance, you still have to have a net worth of a million dollars. Oh, you do. Okay. So there is, there is that requirement still okay. but they have lowered it to a million dollars yeah but, I mean, that's a lot lower than 50 yeah. <laughs> i've got a chance <laughs> so yeah there well the way that it works is the insurance company the insurance companies always make money they're very smart people mm-hmm. but so what they do is um when you bring your premium into that policy for the year they buy what are called stock options so they buy they are gambling is the money, is it going to make money this year or lose money? That's all they're betting on. If it loses money, then all of the money that you sent in is, you know, gone. But it doesn't affect your bottom line. You just have a 0% growth. But let's say they said, okay, it's going to go up this year. And it goes up this year. They make a lot, lot more money than they give you. They, they make a lot more money than the 7 or 8% that they give you. So these policies, when structured correctly with the leverage 
and in them are uh, they perform quite consistently at double digit numbers. Okay. So like so. even my even my like visceral reaction to the like hearing two really cool things is like, ah, what's the catch? Where's the thing? Is this tethered to a lot of like the myths that you talk about that we have as a society? Yes. Yep, it is. It's uh it's definitely uh, why I wrote this book, because I wanted to talk about myths that are pervasive. And unfortunately, I think the sad thing is that most of the myths that we know about have been perpetuated by the financial institutions that make tons and tons of money um, based on your money sitting with them. But, well, I mean, any chiropractor, I mean, chiropractors are very comfortable with this and big pharma. So like we, we can attach to that, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense that that could happen. So what are some of those myths? Well, I think the big, the big myth is, um, you know, the mindset of being utilizing your money rather than accumulating your money. Mm, we have all been taught that. since young ages that we put the money aside we'll start at 20 and we'll start contributing in 401k or whatever for 30 years and then all of a sudden they'll give your money back but what you don't realize is you're turning your money over to this institution that's making money on you all along um, their goal is to hold your money as long as they can and give it back as slow as they can well this this these goals describe what happens in an IRA. And I mean, I, I have it somewhere in my book. I, I apologize, not right offhand, but the wealth that's in the 401k right now um, is, is staggering. And so it's um, something that they make a great deal of money perpetuating these myths for people. So I say like, if someone's skeptical you know, if you want to stay in the 401k, I'm not gonna, right. you know. Yeah, like, go ahead and do it. <laughs> but I say, just look into truly diversifying, which means non-market related assets. Right. And well, so, I mean, I feel like my husband and I will get a little bit of this um, worry when we talk to our parents about, you know, like, and there is no good debt, bad debt in previous generations. It's just like this kind of this idea that like debt is bad. You know, um, I, my husband tells a story about how like buying a car, even back then, like they had to save up for a car because it was like 30% interest on a car. And so it's that, that mindset that like, you know, we, we bought we have multiple commercial buildings that we own. And like, I can just tell every time we like buy one, our parents are just like getting more and more nervous about like, that's, that's a lot of debt. I'm like, right. But like, it's going to be cash flow positive. And this and that is just like a completely different getting your money to work for you. That's right. And there, I think uh, Robert Kiyosaki, I have a couple quotes of his in my book, but he, he says, you know, the type of advice you seek is, you know, tells you where you're going to end up from the different people. So like a Dave Ramsey and a, and a Susie Orman who talk very much about lowering the debt, budgeting, getting yourself debt-free um, is the way to get to wealth really hasn't isn't 
I don't believe that is true, but like you, the more sophisticated or understanding people are to these, these outside concepts, these concepts that are, uh, have been here forever. I mean, these, these companies we're working with are banks that have been around and insurance companies that have been around for hundreds of years. So these are very stable, um, things, but people just have not heard of them uh, because in our traditional uh, personal finance discussions that we get at school, they, nobody talks about this stuff. No. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question. It, it might come across like an asshole thing, not to you, um, but like you'll, you'll understand there's kind of some landmines here. I once heard someone on a podcast call out that like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman are super successful because most of America doesn't have any money. Most of America is, uh, you know, at a certain lower socioeconomic status. And so that is good advice yes. for a lower socioeconomic, but it's not necessarily good advice if you are in upper middle class or, you know, like, especially nailed it on the head is yes that is their bread and butter and the true the fact is is that there should be different levels of advice for different people but there simply hasn't been and so i found and you know uh that the you know busy professional the you know attorney chiropractor doctor uh these people are very underserved by financial planners they they just simply are and you hit it we don't learn jack shit about any of this stuff like but taking you, the crazy thing is is if you went to college and you took a finance class about corporate finance strategies all of these all of these things i'm talking about will come up finding cash flow finding leveraging into these assets that grow with very low risk to them. These are all strategies that corporate people or corporations, not corporate people, corporations use to build their wealth. But our personal finance strategy is that we're taught is very much like what Dave Ramsey um, and Susie Orman talk about. And they're just there, there are different levels. And, and like I said, the, the high, performing person is usually underserved by, mm -hmm. by the typical financial planner. How is angel investing different than syndication? Angel investing is for venture capital. Now I have a lot of wealthy people that invest in venture capital too. In fact, um, most of my, if I did an asset allocation of my, you know, my group of investors, I would tell you that um, probably 20% are in the stock market, uh, 20, I mean, 20% of their portfolios in the stock market, 30% is in venture capital, 30% is in real estate, and then 30%, and then the rest is just in, you know, little fun stuff for them to play with. Okay. But their, their solid ones are in real, are real estate and venture capital. Venture capital is um, people that are seeking um, money for their businesses. Shark Tank. It's yeah. Shark Tank, right? Okay. <laughs> 
bigger, bigger companies usually, and you can be in different stages of companies that are looking for, you know, to expand or whatnot. But again, the reason that the wealthy people enjoy these, these types of of things is instead of investing in the stock market where you could be in a mutual fund and you don't know anything I to ask tell me one thing about one of the companies you're invested in tell me about a CEO tell me about something they won't be able to tell you a thing whereas when you're investing in venture capital you know what their strategy is what the background is what the CEO and the the, the team up front is planning to do, what their experience is, have they done it before? So I would argue that wealthy people are much closely tied to what they're investing in. They're very um, concerned with investing in teams of people that do what they want to do bet much better. That They know that this is not their thing, but yet they're going to bet for the best person to do this for them, and then they invest in it. Got it. Um, okay. I, do you have time for one more myth? Because I I, I want to hear another one. Um, let's see where where did we go? And uh, I think we talked about the four hundred one k. I think oh, a big one is um, most people, and this drives me insanely crazy. Is you'll go to a financial planner, and actually, sidebar, I I had my series six and seven for years um, when I was an insurance agent. And what I would do when I go in to talk to someone is, okay, so how old are you? What are your assets? What's your experience in the market? What's your risk tolerance? Can you tolerate like a lot of risk or not so much risk? And the idea is that the more risk you can tolerate, the more money you're going to be able to make. And that is completely the opposite of what, um, the reality of the wealthy investor, they want to look for things that are extremely low risk. And um, there is no correlation to high returns and high risk tolerance. So, you know, and I, I think that's a that's a huge myth. I don't know that it'll ever go away. Um, but it it it's not that that's what we're told. Do you think we're just kind of obsessed with that rags to riches overnight? story that like winning the lottery ticket striking gold like it's kind of like innately in us that like and it's like the yeah the exactly but you know your investment your money should not be gambled i mean your it's your money and it is very much like you know i i never met anyone in my time when i was uh advising people like a financial planner would that ever knew when something was coming down the pike like a 2008 never never knew never never had a clue never advised their clients never because they don't know right. they don't know any any more than you do that's the sad part of most financial that's planners. terrifying yeah yeah, because I really don't know a lot. Um, so if you had, if you were working with someone that, well, I guess that's kind of an easy question. So if you're working with someone, you're going to help them start to learn this curve and stuff. But like for someone who's still a little hesitant to like really just doesn't know anything, how do you encourage someone to start just getting more comfortable with breaking some of these myths and accepting this more like 2023 version of investing in retirement? 
I think um, this is why I wrote my book, 100%, is um, uh, Shattering Money Myths. Um, and it's it just goes through uh, uh, 10 different money myths that were taught. And I think after reading this book, um, you will you will know more than probably 95 to 97% of the population just by you know things that I'm bringing up in this book and I say that's the best place to start because mm-hmm. myself I was in this position too I uh, I owned a lot of real estate just single family real estate thought I would just suck it up and own it. And, um, you know, I, I owned my business at the same time and I would manage these properties. They would cash flow very little for me and I would hold them until they were all paid off and then I could just have the cash flow. So after I started working with the wealthy investor, I realized they're very concerned with cash flow, very, very concerned. And so when I went back and looked at all my properties and how they were performing, they were all underperforming. So I took the money and I did did as I tell other people to do, put them in these alternate investments. And within, I think, three years, I was able to retire from my insurance agency, which I sold. And uh, so I'm telling people to do something that actually worked for me and has you know, that I see and deal with wealthy people on a daily basis that works for them. But I think, yeah, unless you can change your mindset um, and really be in the place of of making those changes, it, I, you know, you really can't comprehend it. But I think, you know, just starting reading this book, I, I was asked all the time when I'd be on podcasts, what books do you recommend? I'd be like, well, this one for this, this one for this. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, well, why don't I just write, you know, one that just encompasses everything? And this is the one I recommend, obviously. (laughs) So if someone is kind of in this ground where they're like, okay, I don't have a property I could just sell and get that 50 grand kind of entry level or hundred grand. um, Do you recommend you just start saving? Yes. Just start, you know, and like, Put it in a more liquid in investment that you could get it out of, um, you know, whatever that is. I mean, in the meantime, CDs or something like that, that you could save and get the money and start investing. Yeah. Awesome. As I would say, yeah, that, that would be, uh, and get a, get a game plan and that's yeah. fine to someone like me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, okay. So where can people find the book, get more of you? Okay. I have, it's kind of a long um, link, but I see, okay. So it's, it's Airbay Wealth, which is the name of my company.com, the backslash shattering. And then there's a dash money dash myths backslash. <laughs> and it's a free, I, I'm, I'm going to have it in the show notes for you too. <laughs> Um, it's a free, it's free because, um, I'm just really wanting to promote this and get it out there. So you can add, can either mail you a copy or, um, you can download a copy. That's incredible. Very cool. This is, I, this is not a topic that we talk about a ton on the podcast. We tend to talk about hiring, firing, HR stuff, empowerment, and, um, this is really interesting. And I know that people are, I think TikTok and social media is starting to wake up 
people in a way of like, wait a minute, how'd you retire? You're younger than me. Wait a minute. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Like type of thing. So the, there is some good to social media that I feel like it's piquing people's interest of like, okay, I think I might be not being very smart with my money. And I think there's smarter things out there. So yeah, well, the and actually the 401k just came to be in 1984. So it's really an experiment that has gone off the rails. It hasn't always been that way. So um, yeah. <laughs> Before that, were people just like saving in coffee cans? They were uh, They were usually working with companies that provided the defa- defined benefit pensions. You okay. know? And I think this was supposed to kind of cover it in the meantime, but it really made people not responsible for their money, uh, not thinking about, you know, what their goals were, rather just, I'm going to put it all with this person and wait for 20 or 30 years and hopefully we'll be good. (laughs) Very cool. Thank you, Stephanie, so much. Like I said, this was, this was really fun and you provided so much value and like the fact that people can download and get that book for free is awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. All right, She Slayers, um, we will have that link for you down in the show notes. Um, Make sure you click on it, read that book, start getting smarter with your money. Don't ask me questions, ask her. Um, And until next week, She Slayers, bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.